Please, sit, doctor. I have guests so rarely it's important to me that they feel welcome in my home. You live here? I find it convenient to keep my interests mobile. Anyway, I've had my fill of life on the ground. Well, I, I guess I should, uh, I guess I should thank you for having bailed me out all that time. I know a good bet when I see one. Oh, Gray, no sugar, no milk, I believe. What am I doing here? <laughs> the powers that be have been very busy lately. Falling over each other to position themselves for the game of the millennium. Deal you back in. I didn't realize that I was out. Oh, maybe not out. But certainly being handed your hat. I've had a long time to make enemies, Doctor. And there are many governments, business interests, even religious leaders that would like to see me depart this earth. I'll grant them their wish soon enough. But before I do, I wish to make a small contribution. Final gesture of goodwill to the people of this little planet that have given. From whom I have taken so much. You still here? Turn down here. your volume, adjust your sets. We are live. It is the Cinema 9 Podcast, and it's a crossover episode. It's a special opportunity for us to connect with two guys that you will get to be very familiar with if you're not already in a moment. Travis Roy, Eric Bradshaw, Michael Govier, Cinema 9 Podcast, Cinema 9 Pod, ProTemail.com, Cinema 9, all your favorite social medias, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, such and so forth. Today's movie is Contact. We're going to focus on that in the later part of the show. Does it hold up or not? Selected by today's guest. And these are two guys who 
they know each other pretty well. I will say that. I think that's a fair <laughs> assessment. And they sure. love movies, though. Their natural passion and infectious spirit for movies, very kindred spirits to us in a sense. And you know, I'll turn it over to Eric here because Eric, you're the one who made the connection. So why don't you introduce these guys better than I ever could? Well, I, I stumbled upon them um, just kind of by accident. And um, I just really like their energy. Like they are identical twin brothers, obviously. I'm not going to pretend like I know which one is who right now uh, based on these clothes. Maybe I can make a judgment based on what poster they have behind them. Like, James, are you the Batman and IMAX fan? Yeah, that's and, correct. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I got it there. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, these guys have a really fun show. They, they put it out on YouTube. They're on Apple. They're on Spotify everywhere. And they put out so much content that uh, your head will spin. So <laughs> once you kind of get to know these guys as hosts and like their sense of humor and what they like and what they're into, it's just really infectious. So I just... Uh, started watching all their stuff and I, I was lucky enough to invite them on and have them respond favorably. But yeah, I mean, they started giving out tickets. Like you guys gave away like fucking jaws passes and like, you're yeah. starting to get into promotional stuff that uh, I'm, I'm sure your other listener listeners out in uh, Cali are just crazy about, but yeah, great content, just excellent new voices to the scene. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad they're on. And they are called. Have you said the name yet? (laughs) Who are these guys? Just random twins. Now guess what podcast they're from, listeners. No, uh, Raiders of the Lost podcast. This is Anthony and uh, James uh, Deverney. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're close. Deverney. Uh, Yeah, their show is Raiders Lost podcast. So get on it immediately because their their stuff is incredible and their content is very uh, prolific. Thanks for having us, guys. (laughs) Welcome to the show, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the invite. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for the kind words. And yeah, uh, Raiders Lost Podcast. You can find us everywhere. Mm-hmm. From everything up there, Spotify, Spotify Apple Podcasts, video, TikTok. Yeah. We're all over the place. We've had a we've been very fortunate the last year and a half and finding the success and the audience we've had. So we're always happy to collab with other podcasts like you guys. So we're happy to be here. Yeah, it's this uh, mm-hmm. really interesting thing to have a show is talking about films. And there are so many nowadays. And we love <laughs> there's like a community of people who discuss film online for jobs and it's pretty amazing to connect with all these other film lovers and get conversations going about movies and tvs absolutely it's beautiful very exciting uh travis you want to talk now oh i like to talk too that's why i'm on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) no yeah honestly it's just great to have you guys and we and we definitely really appreciate you coming on and um it's good to meet you guys so uh are we uh getting into the next bit no, no. I just no, wanted you to say you something. Want to talk about I felt society? like society. You want to talk about I know society how different... for a while? <laughs> I'll talk about society for an hour and a half, but uh, uh, we already made what? these guys wait for an hour for us because of a timeline. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not drag the night out anymore. Mistakes, mistakes were made. Society, <laughs> man. We're living in society. Ah! <laughs> right now, Chud Pud is so happy. You just made Chud Pud's night. Uh, I will tell you this, guys. Mm. You guys are cool you could be dicks if you wanted to but you decided <laughs> not to well they Seriously. don't usually record live so maybe we'll find out we're gonna get the spice <laughs> tonight. <laughs> right. no, i mean people that's what i i just want people out there to know and it's not like we have a massive audience but the people who do connect with us and enjoy our show and those who enjoy your show know that these guys are authentically being open mm. and honest and cool about collaborating mm. because it's a united states is founded on hyper competitiveness and uh capitalism is like divide and conquer <laughs> we want ours and let's set the tone early Lady. but i think you guys have really given me uh 
I don't know, sense of optimism today. So I just want to thank you guys for being cool because you guys, you got 25,000 subs on YouTube. That's a really nice number. That's Holy impressive. Oh, yeah. yeah. All it is. Game. It's tough. Yeah. You, you, I mean, dude, YouTube's... we got 330. It's really hard. We've yeah, been trying you, to do that yeah. for a while. That's YouTube's hard. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube's tough. We just started popping for real like a couple of weeks ago and it took two years to get to that point. But I mean, in terms oh. of like wanting to work with other collaborators and in, in podcasts, we, we've mentored so many people to start a podcast and a movie podcast. That's so like cool. we're, we're mm -hmm. open to like, yeah, competition's cool, but the best way for all podcasts to grow is to have more competition and, and more shows. So we've, help people make movie podcasts and it's like oh we're not you're our competition like a very daniel Plainview. you look at it we're more <laughs> of like let's have a fun community we'll grow movie knowledge and keep film alive because this is the game of keeping cinema alive and film alive and great movies alive especially something like contact that most people that are under 20 years old probably have never heard of so i think it's just <laughs> grow the community bigger that's where everyone finds success 100 percent. beautiful okay Plainview. <laughs> oh, yeah. there he is. <laughs> you are my competitor. My competitor. No one else to podcast. <laughs> That's not a bad title. That's I awesome. You guys' title. You. <laughs> Your title is really good, too. It's anybody who incorporate a movie title into their podcast title, but it's also a fun movie that. You know, immediately, Raiders of Lost Podcast sparks a lot of excitement. So good call on that part. And I want to thank you guys for being here and doing that. So that's it. I'll stop uh, hobnobbing or schmoozing or whatever they call it. Um, let's get into it. It's time for Quarantine Viewing Picks. We started Quarantine Viewing Picks because the show started during the pandemic back in April 2020. Right. And, you know, it's still just the title. But hopefully you've outliving your life a little bit more. And everybody's getting to watch movies in the theater way more than they did during the pandemic. So Travis Roy... What's going on this week with you? Well, I, I watched some movies like I'm prone to do. Um, I uh, I checked out the new Day Shift from uh, Jamie hmm. Foxx on okay. Netflix. Okay. It's exactly what you'd expect. Anybody else see this one yet? It's, mm. I've seen you think? 30 minutes of it. <laughs> oh, I respect your, um, your respect for your own time. Um, <laughs> I watched it late at night and like it was it was okay. It did like what I expected it to do, but like I never gonna watch it again. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah, it was one of those. Um I want you know, I've been on this Jack Nicholson kick and uh so I checked out the shooting from nineteen sixty six. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes long. Jack shows up like forty minutes in. There's a lot of close up of his eyeballs and that kind of stuff. And, you know, <laughs> it's it's definitely worth seeing. It almost feels like an episode of television. Like it almost, it's very, I don't know, but it's, uh, if you're, if you're into the Jack Nicholson, checking them all off your box thing, you know, it's, it's one that's worth, well, you're going to see them all eventually. So I guess if you're doing that, uh, I had liked the first animated, uh, Adam's family movie. The second one, I suggest that this October season, you don't, you don't spend your time with that one. Oh, it's just utterly forgettable. Really? I didn't. I, yeah. Well, are you, did you see the first one, Michael? Did you like it? I actually <laughs> saw the first one in a drive-in. I had a drive-in. Wow. wow! Look at you. And you liked it? I thought it was enjoyable. I like my I, Adams Family fair. I'm into yeah, it. That's how I felt about it. So I went in on the second one. And it was just. I don't know. It was just lacking. I don't know. There was no. There was no spirit to it. it wasn't into mm. it. Um, there's a new uh well real quickly there's a new yeah. tv show coming out wednesday yes that looks good it looks good <laughs> yeah i think i'm Gen into Gen that Ortega too. Is a very talented actor yeah i did i did like her 
Ooh, what do I do? I know her from anything? She was in the most recent Scream. She played yeah. the daughter, the opening the daughter girl, of the, the opening yeah. sequence, Ex. and then yeah, the, she played the, the, the younger sister. sister of the lead character. She was, but a, she was yeah. the only great. I, we watched that movie. We walked out, and I was like, "That that actress is the only good actor in that entire movie." I, I was like, <laughs> "She's the only one who can act." <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about Louise Louise Guzman coming back. He's kind Hell of been yeah, away man. from things for a while, so I'm yeah. I'm, I'm most excited for him to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. You guys ever see that movie 3000 Miles to Graceland? <laughs> no, no. I never did because I thought it looked terrible. So I watched it's it. It's terrible. It's so uh, bad. Oh, Definitely seen so that. Bad. Dude, yeah, the horrible. opening sequence of like the it's like you think, hey, it's it's all this Elvis stuff. Surely I hear some Elvis in this movie. It's like nothing but new metal. And in the opening <laughs> sequence is like two super CGI scorpions like duking it yep. out in the middle yep. of the desert. Yeah. It is it is the most 2001 thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh. It is it is like watching Puddle of Mud if it was a movie. Oh. Um, <laughs> great band. Great band. Uh, that something. is a great description. It's, <laughs> a fun, it's very of its time. Yeah, it's very uh, yeah. adrenaline, like macho male yeah. action. Ridiculous. Very Michael Bay-ish stuff going on in it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. yeah just, just excellent. Okay. Um, the gin from 2021, it was like, you know, boy trapped in a, uh, in an apartment with a scary monster kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need a good child actor. If you're going to make your whole horror movie about a uh, child oh, and this one did well, they, they, the oh. kid does a really good job. Um, the, the, the script is a little iffy, but it was, and, and there's certainly like, it's, it's based on gin, right? That's like from mm-hmm. Arabic lore you know like like quranic lore and they're like breaking out this book that's like clearly like been printed up on a xerox machine and it's like all in english <laughs> and shit to read through it i'm like okay i guess i'm gonna have to suspend the old disbelief here uh the, the big one for the uh, for the week was the black phone uh i'm not gonna say too much about it but uh it, there's a lot of people that have seen it a lot of people that like it and i'm among them there are people that make movies and TV shows such as Stranger Things that you know are influenced by Stephen King, and then there's Joe Hill, who was literally raised by Stephen King. But <laughs> yeah, you can really feel the King influence there without it. But it also still feels like its own thing. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. um, very good movie. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. And those are the movies I watched. Those are the movies that he watched. Uh, by the way, yes. Harsh Truth is right. in here. Live hey, comments. Hello, my friends in film fandom. Harsh Truth. Welcome. Hello. How you doing? How you doing? How you Welcome doing? That, 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 felt, that felt like we're from, a, a we're from Travolta, Boston. Really? Oh, oh. How you doing? Well, that makes yeah, no yeah. sense. Then. Yeah. <laughs> what do we say in Michigan? Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, hey, Park, it, how car. are you today? Oh, hello, hello there. <laughs> oh, how are you? Oh, that's what we said. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric Bresham, you're up next. What you've been watching? What do you want to recommend? Dude, I watched a bunch of heavy hitters uh, this week, so I got some big movies to blow through. Uh, X, the new Ty West film, I finally got around to it. Dude, I've been a fan of Ty West since The Roost, like 20 years ago. X was fucking awesome. Uh, I loved it. Like, solid slasher, like, a little goofy. Like, the first hour is literally just, like, him, like, hey, remember the 70s? But then, like, after that, like, fucking loved all of it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Men! I finally got around to Alex oh. Garland's Men. I've been I've been waiting because I've heard some like weird mixed word of mouth. I dug the film. I dug it. It's like very metaphorical. So if you can't handle like A24's like like up its own ass metaphorical symbolism shit, might not be for you. But I thought it was uh, 
solid. I'd love Jesse Buckley. I'd watch you do laundry for two hours. Uh, pray. I'm with you, Travis. Pray is solid. Pray is solid. <laughs> so yep. you, so Eric was texting me while he was watching Pray, and there's like all these jokes coming, like, "Ooh, am I watching the Lion King remake?" and this kind <laughs> yeah. of shit. Um, yep. And then the jokes stopped coming. I'm like, hey, "The joke stopped coming." That's he likes just, it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. when I stopped texting. I was like, "All right, this is actually good. Yeah, this can, is actually really fucking good." Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's no Predator Two, but it's it's fucking good. No Predator Two. Want some candy? <laughs> dude i don't want to be that guy here but light year I, I turned it off i was fucking bored I, I it was just so dull and there's no fucking way andy saw this in 1995 there's no way they made this in 1995 i guess yeah dude i was scratching my head i was like what why like I, it would have made a really cool like short like before another movie like an, a like, fun action sci-fi like an hour and 45 minutes i was like oh dude i'm out i'm out as I, as I understand it it's a whole new crop of pixar filmmakers it's like the next generation yeah. that, ha that has like the control now and eh, yeah. they didn't steer the ship in the right direction that's right i mean Lassiter is a total scumbag but he, well, he, is, he has a magic touch mm. um and lastly elvis i finally watched it i, I had to buy it oh! I, I couldn't wait any longer i'm a huge elvis fan as you know and i've seen every single elvis biopic that's ever been made um, and it's tough to beat John Carpenter's 1979 with Kurt Russell. Impossible, in my opinion. That's still the best. But I, I, I really like Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Uh, Austin Butler was fucking out of control. He was so good. Tom Hanks, I was like, what is this goofy Rick Baker costume? Just like hire an old fat guy. What is this Rick Baker costume shit? Just hire an old fat guy. He's so good in it. And he is so good. He has way too much screen time, though. I think Austin Butler should have should have been seventy to thirty to Tom Hanks. It was his perspective too, which is kind of weird for the whole film. It was an interesting. Like I said, like I've seen so many that are just the straight paint by number David Copperfield from Birth to Death. So I I kind of welcomed like a third person perspective on it. Like, how is this person perceived through like someone else's eyes? And it actually for me came off like a really good like business entertainment movie like if that makes sense because really <laughs> yeah. biopics they don't really get into the business that much i have like the one scene where like the record producers like fucking get a hit yeah. but like the whole movie is business politics uh and just an, a, a different take on and everything thought it was fantastic uh yeah and that's it man that's it for me austin butler i think is the front runner for best incredible he's so incredible he's, he's amazing really? i didn't know all that stuff about the colonel so i was so yeah. fascinated by like that yeah. business side of it and what's even more impressive yeah. is austin butler did all of his own singing except for the, a, couple, a couple of the last numbers they had an yeah. older a holder an older singer and meshed their voices together but mm -hmm. eight, 90 percent of the vocals were all austin butler wow i got a control i control so awesome uh real quickly raiders of lost podcast people I'm just going to call you that, both of you. Raiders. <laughs> uh, fellas. Ra hey, Raiders. Uh, have you seen Walk the Line? Which, how could you compare it to Walk the Line? I like Walk the Line better because yeah. I, I like Boz Lerman's movies, but they're very fast-paced, really quick editing, lots of scenes. So, like, after you watch a Boz Lerman movie, it's a style. You're just completely drained emotionally mm -hmm. and just, like, like exhausted but like, like a safety's brothers movie kind of yeah <laughs> oh, it is basically except quick even way quicker, longer, more scenes <laughs> that's the style though but the, i think walk the line is, is slower obviously and more controlled in terms of the just focusing yeah, on james mangles focus uh, on the performance of joaquin and yeah. reese witherspoon mm -hmm. reese witherspoon too but joaquin is just so sensational in walk the line i, I think that's a better movie i pick elvis over i think sure. i like i like boz lerman a lot no one makes movies like him he, he mm -hmm. literally what i like about him is he throws literally every 
filmmaking technique in the in that you can think of he puts into his movies mm-hmm. and he has a really unique way of using cgi to blend scenes together he mm-hmm. really put on a, like a show for mm-hmm. a lot of that film and it was a little it ran a little too long but i think that the filmmaking plus austin butler made it a really special movie for me so i think it's one of the better musical biopics uh in recent memory wow i still yeah, have i have rocket man as my my number one rocket man so great yeah solid it's like oh. being trapped in like like picture like an Elvis pinball machine like you'd see like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like being trapped yeah. in it it's like being the ball in an Elvis what's pinball a pinball machine, machine? What is it? <laughs> come on now Mike I know, some people might be watching this like what the fuck is a pinball machine <laughs> they might they might I don't know anyways I get what you're saying okay very cool uh you know I got really nothing to offer uh just been mm. watching a lot of documentary stuff still mm. stuck in all that shit in Netflix good? with the Let's see. Uh, no. Okay. No, nothing good. <laughs> nothing good. Did you watch no. that Warren Jeffs documentary on Netflix? I watched that too. Keep sweet <laughs> about the fundamentalist Christian cult. No, I have, did not see yeah. that. Yeah, so, uh, it's um, a tough watch. I I think I left the last seven days since we did a show, and I'm thinking, where was I? What was I doing? Did I do anything? Well, you had did a birthday, watch- birthday boy. I, Okay, happy birthday. Thanks, guys. You guys are so sweet. Look, you so barely special. know me and you wish me a happy birthday. That's very kind of you. Thank <laughs> you so you much. I'll tell you what, it was just busy doing stuff you wouldn't want to do. I guarantee you that. Uh, I will say that, yeah, I just I kept watching the rest of that series, The the Web of Make Believe oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. on mm-hmm. Netflix. So I watched a couple of those. It's by. Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, produced by them. And so I finished mm-hmm. that series. It's all very interesting stuff. I'm I'm into that shit. What can I tell you? I think it's interesting. I did watch... <laughs> I finally watched the Malice at the Palace one, which I had yes. not seen, which is... That's part of the Untold series. So Untold on Netflix, the Malice at the Palace, which is about the most bizarre sports <laughs> incident in the history of sports. It has nothing to do with sports because it was here in Detroit between fans and the Indiana Pacers. They melee in the stands. It's very... This is... Something apparently only happens players? in players. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. I, think I remember footage. Yeah. I was. Mm-hmm. This was in 2004. It happened. So I was. We were already in our early 20s. And oh, yeah. man, I was like, of all the games I didn't go to, I wish I would have been there. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I say that now, but you watch the Malice at the Palace Untold on Netflix. You're like, good God, this is. It was out of control, and they show all the raw footage for the first time. As Eric mentioned this when he talked about it a while back. And it's intense, and the way these guys were treated and how the players became the focus when the fans were just as responsible, if not more responsible for a lot of it. A lot of racism going on there, not not a surprise. And unfortunately, some of these guys, they just got stuck with this stigma, and that, that really bums me out. But it's a really mm. fascinating watch. And then the other one of the untold, of course, was the, the Manti Teo story, which is getting a lot of run on Netflix. And... You know, when that happened, I was just getting into teaching and I was really busy every day in my own life. But I remember hearing about it. But I was really glad to see this documentary because it's been about 10 years. It was 2012 when the news broke that Manti Teo had been catfished. He was the biggest football star in college football. His team was one of the best teams. He played at Notre Dame. And he, the way he describes how it happened, you know, I don't watch a lot of catfish. I know the show was very popular on MTV once upon a time. And I know how it works, but... It's just the fact, some of the things that he 
he missed. You would have to be a very busy person like him <laughs> to miss some of these things. That, and really, that's the only way it could happen. You have to be so busy with like a massive career that only one percent of the population or less gets to play in the NFL. So you're so busy that like you know what? All right, we've never hung out. I've never seen your face. I've never even like been near your presence whatsoever. It's okay. And I'm sure you have a lot of technical issues. The this is 2012. The Wi-Fi was really shitty and the video <laughs> was terrible. I mean, you watch Contact and then you watch the video in 2012. There's no difference, right? I'm sure it's the same. Uh, <laughs> But we'll get into that later. So, anyways, check out Manti Tales Untold Story. It's it's really powerful too because you got this, you know trans people now and how how much that has changed even in ten years. You you might not realize that you know depending how old you are and what period you've grown up in and the fact that the person was absolutely shit on who did this to Manti Tales. That person is a trans person. At the time, they didn't. They didn't know what they wanted, and they did some shitty things, but they also were going through really painful stuff. So it's this analysis of someone who is ostracized by society, but at the same time is doing really cruel shit. And how do you, uh, you know, kind of wrestle with all that? Very fascinating mm. stuff. I'll say that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Raiders of the Lost Podcast, it is now your control of the board, as we like to say. <laughs> I like to say it. No one else says it. Yeah, just you. No. Yeah. What do you guys have been watching lately? What would you like to recommend? Take it away. I'll go first. Go I it. recently finished the rehearsal, Nathan Fielder's new show on HBO. Mm. And he has he used to have a show on Comedy Central called Nathan For You. Super funny, very meta, dry comedy. And if you like Nathan For You, if you've never heard of it, I recommend checking out. There's a bunch of clips on YouTube and sketches. And he made the show, the rehearsal on HBO. It just came out. It's six episodes. It's the most unique dry humor i've ever seen in my entire life i've never seen a show like it before ever it's so hard to describe what it is but he like basically like helps people rehearse for real life situations but it's just so meta because he's puts himself in the situations but if you like dry humor i recommend checking out nathan few on comedy central but also the rehearsal on hbo it's phenomenal i recently very speak, polarizing too right yeah uh, it's just either people don't don't like the humor a lot of the times but it just hits my funny bone like right in the spot and then, uh, speaking of vampire movies, I recently watched uh, Park Chan Wook's Thirst, Good South one. Korean horror yeah. film, which I think is my first time seeing it. And I love vampire movies. That's why I gave Day Shift a shot. And mm. I think the we we've always said, and I think we both agree that Let the Right One In is the best one ever made. Yes, the original. There it is. Yeah. There it is. But I watched Thirst, and I think it's better. It's the, one of the most incredible horror movies I've ever seen. It's, it's oh, highly okay. original, a great take on vampires, the way he the way he shows them in his movie and the way the, the common lore that we see in the movies, the way he makes it different in his interpretation of them. It's so unique and incredible. And mm. then I also watched, for the first time, Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder recently, which I've been through. I've seen a bunch of his movies, same with Park Chan-wook, but I've never seen those two of, of their filmography. And that's mm. an incredible movie. Came out in 2003, 2004. So that's a sensational yeah. crime murder mystery. And aside from that, we watched we watched a thing recently for the tenth time, and it still is the one of the best <laughs> horror movies of all time. Right. Still Maybe incredible. And aside Agreed. from that, uh, just been watching stuff for the show here and there. Mm -hmm. How about you? Oh, I had a, I had a pretty good week of movie watching. I've been on a William Friedkin marathon. Ooh, oh, he's oh, one of my Bill. favorite, he's one of my favorite uh, American directors. So underrated, mm -hmm. and uh, so I watched The Exorcist, then To Live and Die in L.A. and Sorcerer. Um, the Exorcist, Eric, real oh, quick, yeah. Eric tried to do that. By the way, we tried to do Live and Die in L.A. on this show a few Could months back, but 
It's not Couldn't streaming find it anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I found it. I found it. <laughs> yeah, oh. we, we got a site. I got a site. I'll, I'll, I, I'll, found be, I'll be able to I found it. Too. I watched you, it for the first yeah, time. It was incredible. I don't do that. Yeah, I you can't. You that. can't rent it anywhere, and it's no <laughs> yeah, streaming yeah, service unreal. has it. Um, probably, but it's it's an amazing like action. It's like L.A. pulpy. William Dafoe is the villain, and then William <laughs> William Peterson plays the like alpha badass uh, Secret Service agent. It's just a great '80s noir classic action movie I, I had a blast and it has like one of the craziest chase sequences of all time and freaking made the french connection but this mm-hmm. chase sequence in the freeway it, it blew my mind because he was he's such an old school director he actually he filmed everything it's no CGI i swear to god i said the same thing on the show like yeah. we have all our old episodes available on youtube yeah. or any podcast platform <laughs> i said the same thing it was yeah, incredible it's, it's unbelievable and then the exorcist is one of my favorite films i think it's just one of the best directed movies of all time and then sorcerer I've seen it three times now. I watched it for the first time maybe four years ago, and then I watched it again last year. And then I, I just wanted to watch it again and actually inspire my freaking marathon because I think it's so special. If everyone doesn't know what it is, it's about four criminals who are hiding out in South America. They're trying to buy their way out to get new passports and to start over in different countries, but they're also on the run, so they have to lay low. And then this job comes up of for an oil drilling company. They need four men to drive two heavy duty trucks uh, holding three boxes of uh, liquid nitrogen across 200 miles of jungle. Amazing. And Have you seen? I'm sorry. In the movies, yeah, the movie's brutal. It's physical. They actually shot it in the jungle. And there's the sequence on the bridge where they have to get the trucks across this tiny bridge. And it's just the filmmaking. There's, I've never seen anything like it. It's like the huge scale filmmaking that they did in like the 50s and 40s in, th- in the building giant sets and pulling off the impossible physically. And I think it's a really special movie. It's it's now in one of my probably top 25 movies right now. Wow. Wow. Have you seen yeah. Wages of Fear, the one it's based on from the 40s? I haven't. No. Oh, dude, uh, you dude, gotta, I, mean, I haven't incredible. seen Sorcerer. It's been on my list, but Wages of Fear, mm-hmm. I think it's like 54, 50, somewhere in there. It's wow. maybe maybe even the 40s. It is just, it's awesome. If I believe that's see- the name of the t- of the novel. Yeah. 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 Yeah, on your Friedkin marathon, did you get to the Guardian yet? From not yet. Not yet. I, start, I started with those three, oh, and then man. I'm going to do French <laughs> Connection next. A, a, a nanny takes care of some children, but the nanny is not who she seems. She's a fucking like dyad. She's like a nymph from ancient Greece. It's, it's, it's so fucked up. <laughs> I was hoping it's gonna be Robin Williams. Oh well. But, <laughs> and then um, there's there's another great freaking movie because he's such a fascinating director because he make he always made weird movies. He always challenged mm-hmm. himself, but he made this movie called Cruising with Al Pacino. And it is unbelievable. Yeah. There's nothing Good. like it. I and I have so much respect for freaking for he made one of the most successful films in history with The Exorcist. One of, one of the most biggest box offices to this day. Mm-hmm. And after that, he just kept doing his own thing and kind of just gave the middle finger to Hollywood over and over again. And was like, I'm going to make the movies I want to make, even if people hate them. This is what I want to do. So I have so much respect mm-hmm. for him. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. Good point. Good. Beautiful. Good Bill. Hey, Bill. How you doing out there, Billy? Oh, Bill. Uh, and that'll do it. That's uh, your segment of the show, fellas. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I, yeah, I it's been curious. a pleasure. Guys... Thanks a lot. We'll catch you guys next week. It's been I, a... <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. We had to talk uh, about the movie. I know. I was like, uh, I guess we're going to talk about contact by themselves. <laughs> <laughs>
I saw that you guys went to uh, the, the Vengeance premiere. I, how, how was that? I heard the, the screenplay was fucking fantastic. It was, it was pretty yeah, good. Was funny. Um, for, was funny. For, for a debut film, I thought it was solid. Because uh, mm -hmm. BJ Novak, huge fan mm -hmm. of his from The Office and everything. I haven't seen any of his shows that he's done at all. But, you know, he's from he's from Massachusetts. He's mm -hmm. from Newton. He's actually from near <laughs> yeah. where we grew up. But uh, oh. I, I respect him, you know, working so hard in Hollywood than finally mm -hmm. making a movie that he's directing, starring and wrote. So that's a huge accomplishment for a filmmaker to finally mm -hmm. achieve. It's a big deal. It was a cool premiere. It's a beautiful theater at the Ace mm -hmm. Hotel downtown Los Angeles. We had a great time. It was, it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. God, that's the one I just yeah. He was on Bill Maher last Friday. He was the uh, main interview to start mm -hmm. the show. So I learned all about that. And I really want to watch that movie. It yeah, like it's fun. it's really funny. It's he did very, a very good job, it's, yeah. it's like very political, but it's still really funny. And it will you know I think he's trying to cater to both sides at the same time, which is a mm -hmm. tough thing to do. But I think he did a, a good job objectively pulling that off. Hmm. Cool. cool. Yeah, that's how he described it. It's definitely about like our current state of affairs in our mm -hmm. country. So I'm very excited to see that. I'll try to move that up the list. Uh, by the way, Matt Wilson says he was there at the Malice in the Palace, and it was insane. No way. A, <laughs> no so way. That, was with, that was at the Ron Artest or Meta World Peace, right? That was, yeah, that's yes. Meta World Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Formerly known as Ron Artest because he got, like, the brunt of all yeah, the media he got scrutiny. Yeah. He was, like, the number one guy. Well, he was That's why he changed his name. Team. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. really? Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Because he felt so, he was so much baggage with it. He's like, I'm just going to start oh. fresh as Meta World Peace. You think Will, Smith, Will Smith is going to change his name now. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Oh, dear. All right. Well, yeah. Well, those are two examples of uh, crowd and entertainment colliding with violence. Some more heavier than others. But that's yeah, true. It's mm. a good, good comparison. Now that means that that part of the show is over. We're going to move into it. It's time for our main event. Does it hold up with Raiders of the Lost podcast, fellas, live here on the Cinema Eye podcast. Now, Raiders of the Lost podcast chose this movie, Contact 1997, mm -hmm. directed by the great, or not great, or just the director, Robert Zemeckis, <laughs> however you choose to define <laughs> him. On. Why did you contact us? You contacted us. We were just listening. And there are others? Many others. travel here through that transit system that you built we didn't build it we don't know who did no they were gone long before we ever got here maybe someday they'll come back all the other civilizations that you find they come here not all is this some test no no tests You have your mother's hands. You're an interesting species. An interesting mix. You're capable of such beautiful dreams. And such horrible nightmares. You feel so lost. So cut off. So alone. Only you're not. See, in all our searching, the only thing we've found that makes the emptiness bearable is each other. Jody Foster, Tom Skerritt, Matthew McConaughey, John Hurt, a whole list of wonderful people. Big cast, big movie based on the book by Carl Sagan. Right? That's right. Yes, 1995. 
I just I've heard that a million times. I never actually Googled it. So oh. yeah, he wrote it. He he used a lot of his own science research. And, and Kip Thorne was involved yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. His, his research. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so you guys chose this movie. Can you tell us why you selected Contact for today's show? I'm a big fan of this movie. It's always been one of my favorite sci-fi films, and it's extremely underappreciated. Uh, I love Zemeckis, and I think this is his best film, even better <gasps> than Back to the Future, even better than you know, Forrest Gump and Castaway. I think this movie, on a filmmaking level, on a storytelling level, acting, it's really incredible. Movies that are loved nowadays, like Interstellar, it wouldn't exist without this movie. And if you watch this movie, you'd be like, oh, Interstellar definitely drew from it. <laughs> right. uh, Jodie Foster, also one of the best actors of all time, gives an uh, amazing, resounding lead performance. But the uh, the cinematography, the Carl Sagan's idea and concept, and then Zemeckis and the filmmaking team delivering McConaughey in a great mm. early role, showing off his both his charm and the talent that he was even displaying back then before he went into the rom-coms. And then now we all know how talented he really is, but this is a great example of that. I think all in all, it's just a wonderful sci-fi film from start to finish. And it's got great ideas and themes and it's more, probably more realistic to what a human, an alien interaction would be like with humans and coming to earth rather than them just showing up with a giant spaceship. It's like they would try to make contact first and it's objectively scientific. You know, they, they take the first television signal that was ever sent out to uh, the Vega system, and they send it back to us. So it's it's realistic. It seems authentic to rather than <laughs> aliens just coming to blow us up or something that we see in a lot of movies. And it reminds me of not just Interstellar, but Arrival too. Same kind of thing where they're not here to kill us; mm -hmm. they're here to share information. Or or 2001: mm -hmm. Space Odyssey. Are you are humans ready to take the next step in evolution? Are they going to join? Are they ready to join this galactic community at some point? So I love that concept. And Jodie Foster is the best part of this movie. She's so incredible. I mean, it's. It's hard to compare um, to choose between her as Sterling and Sounds of the Lambs. I mean, Starling or or this, and she's incredible in both. But just her inside the machine, it's it's mind blowing what she's able to do and with just project face. with her yeah. eyes, her face, her her voice, and everything. She just is one of the greatest actors of all time. It's it's a fact. Yeah, have you guys ever seen Nell? <laughs> Nell, I don't think so. Sorry, no. Jodie Foster, 1990. No. Is that Liam Neeson, Jodie Foster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen no. that one. No. I'll write it down if, you know, just. Yeah. I'd be curious <laughs> to see what you guys, as first time viewers, had to say about it. But, anyways, that's a great, great base for why you chose this movie. So now we mm -hmm. like to go back in time. Travis, can you remember the first time you saw Contact? Uh, I'm 90% sure I caught this one in theaters. Hmm. But I'm, I may not have. I definitely had the VHS copy at home, like, like the actual, like I bought the VHS. So it was one that I liked enough to do that with. And I did the whole thing where I watched it pretty regularly for a good five years or so and then just shelved it and haven't watched it until last night. <laughs> okay. What'd you think? Uh, <laughs> I'll divulge that more as we go on. We're just getting warmed up. We're just getting warmed Damn. up. Eric, what do you got? Eric, take us yeah. back to your first viewing of Contact. Yeah. I, I, uh, home video, man. Yeah. Uh, I was a huge Bob Zemeckis fan. For some reason, I didn't catch it in theaters. I'd be curious to see what this was up against that on that weekend. Because like last action or last week, like everyone was at Jurassic Park and everyone missed yeah. an incredible action movie, Titanic. action comedy. But uh, it, yeah, I, I'd be curious. We should look that up. But yeah, I missed it. But I rented it over and over again. I, I, watched, I watched this many, many times in the late 90s. Then I put it on the shelf. It's been a good 20 years. Harsh Truth likes the philosophical approach to the sci-fi genre. Well, oh, for sure. It's definitely there. Yeah, the science yeah. and religion. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, we're going to, we got so much to talk about there. No doubt about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, everybody who had, I saw it on VHS for sure. And I was not into it at all. I thought it was stupid. I was like, oh, God. It was like boring. <laughs> oh, man, to me, Mike. it was like boring. I was young, you know, I was 17 and at 16, 17 years old in sci fi that was boring as hell, like too real at the time. You know, I want my Star Wars and I want it to be fun and keep it mm-hmm. simple. So I remember, like, our friend Steve, our dear mm-hmm. friend Steve Guile, he loved this movie. He's huge into astronomy and all this and stuff. Carl so, Sagan. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so he had this on VHS and always kind of forced me. I was there and he'd be watching and be like, oh, God, we got, can we play a video game at least while we watch this so I don't have to have something to do? Uh, but um, I don't know. Did things change? I'll let you know. Uh, okay. So I assume, do you guys remember the first time you saw Contact? I, I remember I remember young. it as a kid, but I, I remember not really knowing much about it because we have a lot of older brothers, so they, they would watch a lot of movies um, when we were kids, especially rentals at Blockbuster. I remember it being on uh, because as I've watched it as an adult, it things you know, I can remember moments and scenes, but I remember not mm-hmm. really understanding what the movie was about or fully grasping the entire plot. Kind of like mm-hmm. The Matrix. I guess I feel like I didn't really get into like film and being a film lover until I was like in my like a 12 year old, 13, early teens, like really getting into mm-hmm. great filmmakers and then getting into sci fi. He was watching only Tarkovsky at 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like now, sci- science fiction is my favorite genre. So that's why I like contact a lot. And mm-hmm. I think just like the aspect of it, there isn't, it's not very sci fi until the third act of the film, really, which is where it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just really a, a story about human connections and philosophy mm-hmm. of science versus religion. But I, I feel like the first time I really consumed it and retained it really well was probably my early teens. And Zemeckis is a really impressive director in terms of the blending of CGI and understanding how to use visual effects. And it has, I think, one of the greatest shots of all time, which is young Eleanor running yep. through the hallway to get her, her father's medicine. Yep. And then Amazing. her running towards the camera is suddenly the reflection of her opening the, the medicine door, door. And it's just an amazing image. I remember the amazing. first time I saw that pretty like i would say teens like late teens and i was like that i've never seen that before in my life and mm-hmm. things like that makes mechas a really special filmmaker how he uses visual effects in a way mm-hmm. that most other filmmakers don't yeah yeah and that's it exactly anthony you nailed it yeah that, that shot that shot to me was always like when i think of the movie i think of that shot the medicine mm-hmm. cabinet shot yeah <laughs> medicine cabinets are a lot of fun and you can do a lot of things with them uh, on this uh, film. Uh, okay. And like every, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I don't, don't look through other people's medicine cabinets though, without their permission. Not cool. So I will like, tell you that it is, you know, you'll just we get put marbles in our, when me and Steve first moved in our apartment, we put marbles in it. And then somebody <laughs> I won't mention, we just all of a sudden heard marbles tumbling uh, in our bathroom. <laughs> and we knew that they had checked out our fucking medicine cabinet. It was a Got little joke. <laughs> yep. Jokes on you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on this show, we always like to guess the IMDb score because that's always a lot of fun. So uh, let's get everybody's guesses. Uh, Eric, oh, man. You Dude. Yeah, it's been Unless a hell of a long time. Know. Like, if anybody well, knows, like, you can abstain. Like I you guys like I said, looked at it recently. Yeah, I, I feel like not a lot of people have seen this in a long time. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that younger crowds are kind of dismissing it because they've seen fucking Interstellar and this uh, the uh, arrival that's kind of done what it was doing originally. So I think yeah. uh, it's probably in the late sixes. I'll say maybe six, eight. That's the number I had in my head too. Is I it? Think that, I yeah. I mean, I, I think seven, four. 
Oh, okay. I I'm going low. I'm going to say seven one, seven one, seven two. I'd say it's above seven. It's I think it's just that well of a made movie. But yeah, I think because it's not rewatched by Gen Z and younger kids, mm -hmm. they're not getting that mm -hmm. bump in IMDb. Because I mean, Interstellar yeah. is great, but Interstellar is like top fifteen on the IMDb charts list. Which <laughs> I adore that movie so much, but does it deserve to be yeah, a top, top fifteen? Wow. Well, I would say it's yeah, like six seven. That was kind of my guess too, Travis mm -hmm. and Eric and. Uh, yeah, 7.5 is the answer, folks. Seven. Oh, wow, that's five. surprising. A, okay. a fair yeah. amount of votes? Is, how yeah, 273,000. That's a that's solid. A solid. Yeah, that's yeah. A yeah. Solid. over, two, over oh, 250 right. is, is a solid. Um, but I think that's way too low. I think it should be an 8.5, honestly. You wow. know, I think sometimes, and I don't, I don't particularly like this about myself, but I think sometimes I <laughs> underestimate the intelligence of, a, of the people of the world. And I'm like, oh, they're just not going to get it. They're not going to understand. They're not They're not like me. You're just uh, like again. Ellie. You're dismissing 95% of the population. Not um, cool, dude. She did not dismiss 95% of the population. She, she stayed true to her own beliefs. That was it. Oh, uh, okay. Stuck well, that job. sounds like you're in the spin zone. Discounting anyone. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, I would, I would give this yeah. movie, I would give it a 10 out of 10 if I was to rate You it. would? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Look how eagerly excited you are. You're already, you'd love it. You, do, you can't even hide it. You love this movie. I love movies, bro. I love good movies. We will, too. Dude, we will come at movie. you with some criticisms. Trust us. Okay. Yeah, we'll handle these, yeah. these criticisms. Yeah, that will be that's fun. That's Anthony's giving it a 10. <laughs> I'm like an 8. I give it like an 8 out of 10. You too, James. Okay. Yeah. Backtracking. <laughs> Uh-oh, walk it back, walk it back, walk it back. Uh, this is a two-and-a-half-hour film, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 68%. We always like to do the Rotten Tomato scores and see what the critics said. 68 yeah. from the critics. That's not great. That's uh, huh. It's still a fresh red tomato, but it's... Critics, man. <laughs> critics, man. That's <laughs> funny. And then 78%, though. So the audience liked it 10% more, which is even higher than the IMDb score. So this movie really does ride or die with the fans. As far as critical reviews, here's some of the, we like to pepper in some of the critical reviews. Some of our favorites are uh, Bill Goody Koontz, Dessa Thompson. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Honeycutt too. Yeah, Honeycutt, Goody Koontz. These are real people. We're not making these names up, I swear. Let's see. Well, uh, how about Mick LaSalle? I'm not finding any of our classics. Mm -hmm. Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle once upon a time said, when it tries to personify the struggle between skepticism and faith in the relationship between Ellie and her theologian boyfriend, it becomes flat <laughs> and obvious. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a splat. Okay. A, well. I mean... I, I mean, he's never a boyfriend. I don't think they... Yeah, that's true. But I... I <laughs> I mean, the chemistry between them two. Now I think I understand why perhaps they didn't have the most solid chemistry. But I, I even as a kid, I'm just like, wow, it's like I believe they're buddies, but I'm not really feeling like yeah. romance vibes. And, like, and I get older, <laughs> like, oh, well, no. I'm <laughs> I'm oh, we now. got our main man, Destin Thompson. Destin. Yes, it's always a great. We don't always get Destin, but when we do get him, we're very happy. And this one's lengthy. Wow, for Destin wow. it is. All right. While the movie doesn't qualify as an awful waste of space by any means. <laughs> hey, oh, Jesus. Good one. It has so many creative black holes, you'll have to weigh the entertainment <laughs> odds before making this journey. Wow. Wow. Destin coming in hot. Okay. I'm glad Jeez. they didn't completely waste their time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he threw a line in for the film, but it, he not, wasn't a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, good old Ebes, Roger Ebert. the. Dearly departed. Zemeckis uses special effects to suggest the climactic events 
without upstaging them. Is that true? I would say that's an accurate statement. Not really a re- review, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I like I love the finale because you're expecting something crazy and extravagant, yep. something mm-hmm. you've never seen before, mm-hmm. but it ends up being so simple where this mm-hmm. superior life form just creates this. And it's really fascinating. Just It's able to go into our memories and create immediately the most calming situation mm-hmm. and environment for her and interact with her as the person that would she, she would be most comfortable with. You have the beach, which is the painting she made, and mm-hmm. then you have her father, who is the most important person she's ever had in her life. But it's just, a, it was, I love the simplicity and the small scope of the finale because it's not what you were expecting. Yeah. It, yeah. it goes back to the beach in Pensacola, Florida. Ham radio's in this movie, folks. For those of you that are really younger, ham radio was a thing that my father was hardcore into ham radio. So when I saw this in the movie, it really took me back because we used to do this thing called Field Day every year where mm-hmm. you go out to a park in the middle of your city and you set up this huge antenna it's like 40 feet and it takes hours and then like all these people <laughs> sit there and they're just like cq field day cq field day so when she's doing the cq that's that's how you start it that was all very accurate and i was i just remember going oh this is so cool we're talking to people in georgia or we're talking to people in australia and that just took me back ham radio is long gone now it's been completely surpassed by the internet but it was kind of nice to see that because it was like a big, it was a big way that people communicated around the globe once upon a time. And it was like Chad like, Roulette? Yes! Yeah, it was like, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Except way Just, less. Uh, no way visual. Less dudes. Thankfully, no visual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was way superior, more dudes. Superior technology. <laughs> they're, they're probably still doing what they're doing on Chat Roulette. It's just you can only hear them. <laughs> Why is he breathing heavy? <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. uh, okay. So yeah, that was so. Boy, the ending. You talked about the ending. I guess we're kind of there. I'd, I'd like to say some things further, and all, but also get some other takes. Oh, sure. Eric, the ending. Uh, yeah, dude. I, I remember when I was a kid. I was like, "This is what we got here." Like CGI beach, like CGI <laughs> like actors on beach talking. I was disappointed as a kid, but last night, dude, I I was love it. I, I don't think you could have had a more perfect ending. I'm not just talking about the beach, like the whole conspiracy theory, like ur- urban legend, like did is this real? Is this not? I fucking love that so much. But what struck me is for all the people that point the finger at contact, especially the ending and say, oh, that's boring. That's all you have. These same people will look at something like 2001, widely considered the greatest science fiction movie of all time and say, there's no imperfections here. And we're talking about, Literally nothing happens at the end of that. It's just like surmise that this may be some sort of star child, whatever the fuck it is. It's just a dude laying in bed with the baby in a bubble and they got no problems with that. (laughs) What they do with this? Come on. I think that this movie throughout just it's very bold. It, it does yeah. things. It's like, we're not really interested in showing like, we're, this isn't a blockbuster. Sorry if that's how it was marketed and uh, which it really wasn't, but, but you know, if people went in thinking it was going to be the aliens blowing up the Capitol building, that, that didn't come, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that kind of movie. And, and, and there's one point in this movie where I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this is very much made by academics because this is about hunting for grants. This is about like begging for grants. <laughs> like that is like, Wow dull but realistic um, right and there's just a, a bunch of stuff like that throughout the movie so that it, it would so that the climax is instead a quiet conversation is mm-hmm. not surprising in a way it, it's very fitting for the rest of the movie and they kind of comment on that too like i love that part when they talk about like 
the hive mind and what would ants do? Like in so many movies, the aliens go straight to DC. Like they would know that that's where the fucking world leaders live. Come on, Hollywood, man. American filmmakers, of course they go to DC. <laughs> I, I love the sequence where Ellie's in the the vessel and she's traveling yes. through different dimensions Incredible. because you're with her inside the whole time. We're not like yes. outside getting shots of the ship and showing mm -hmm. us that it's real. We're just seeing her perspective going through all these wormholes. It looks it's, good, right? I think yeah, it still looks great. Good. Still holds yeah. up. It's just like a highway of wormholes. It's really fascinating and really interesting. It's like uh, the turtles in Finding Nemo. It's, it's like the same kind of thing. It looks great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love I how we stay hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, they're, they're just, she's just traveling, but you're with her the whole time. You're inside mm. the ship. Half the time, we're not even looking outside what she's seeing. We're looking at her reactions right. to what she's seeing. And then the beach, it's just all very philosophical, metaphorical. I think that's better than mm -hmm. if they went like bombastic CGI fest all over the place because it's that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about human connections really down to it. And it's all about faith versus science in that huge debate is of religion versus science and how they can coexist like mm -hmm. they show at the end of the film where they still kind of end up together. And it's okay that they have different philosophies in life, but they're both truth seekers, which is the most important mm -hmm. thing to do for these people. And if God is being shit on a bit in this movie, like in terms of the way he struck or it, God, they structure the universe, however you define it, that's I'm not even here to debate that. But my point being is the alien life forms, these extraterrestrials, they small steps. This is repeated early on, you know, small moves, Ellie, small moves. And then at the end, it's like, why can't we go further here? Small moves. We got to start small. So it's almost like mm. uh, what we think of as a supreme being in religious effect is the same as what they were doing where you don't really understand why it's just how it's been done for billions of years okay i, I got a problem with some of that does anyone else did that bother you at all well the, yeah the, the central theme of the movie is i think even more than discovery it's like the importance of faith which um always kind of makes me go oh god we're doing this again but <laughs> Um, I do like that they they take a character who is you know she she has faith in the aliens' plans and what they have for her and they kind of they it all gets twisted and inverted on her where she has to have faith, which is mm. cool. I, it is cool. What you know what it made I me agree. think of? It made me think of like how, how at the end when she, you know she's experienced the whole Pensacola thing and she is trying to convince everybody of this experience. It made me think of um, people who have near death experiences. And how uh, completely unique and like that's only from their perspective. And anybody that they tell it to could either be like, wow, that's amazing. I buy into it. Or they're going to be like, well, you're full of shit. Sorry that you got hit on the head or whatever. And but like it's it's so uniquely personal. So it really made me think of that. I, I don't know if that. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I think that their their characters are so, a lot more similar than you think when you watch the movie. They're both looking to the sky, looking for a higher power, or other beings in the sky, whether it's mm -hmm. just science or aliens or or if it's you God. You about Joss? Yeah, yeah. Joss, Joss and Ellie. Palmer. <laughs> so they're actually very similar, despite their major differences in their philosophies on life. And it, I think it shows that you know it's it's not that different to look for higher life than a higher being that you know has a yep. say in the entire universe i think they're really similar and they're kind of saying the exact same thing and looking for the same thing if you think about it i also think that one of the main themes of the film especially we learn by the end about the alien life form telling her that the human race isn't ready is uh it's, it's basically a, you could say a metaphor for we can't even think about advancing our species until we come together as one yeah. and i think that's like her connection to her father is a great example of the human connection we can have with one another, but instead we're divided 
by countries, by politics, by so many other reasons. And mm-hmm. I think it's an important value shown throughout the film in a lot of ways, especially with the geopolitical elements with the government forces and agencies. They're all trying to get in on the project. Uh, they're all fighting like who's going to pilot this thing. Uh, there's so much going on. And the film is all about the human species needs to unite if we're going to propel ourselves further into the stars. And we can't just bu- launch a bunch of rockets and build a space station. Like if we really want to truly advance ourselves and our beings, we have to come together. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think amazing. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I love that that's one of the many central themes in that we're giving a lot, we're not given any finite answers here because what it does it, it it allows us to think so much more on our own as viewers than we would if we didn't have characters even uh confident characters saying things like uh you know maybe it's nothing but noble gases and carbon compounds out there there's no uh real truth it's 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 this overarching sense of like wonderment and and marvel that that, that goes throughout the entire movie that I can appreciate. Like another thing about that ending is the aliens have the foresight, uh, the wherewithal to appear as human. They know it's like dropping a motorcycle off in Victorian times. They know that Ellie will not be able to handle what they are and what's going on. So it shows the compassion of extraterrestrial life to, to give her something that she can latch onto in order to have perspective. It's just so much stuff you would not think of for, an audience of people munching on popcorn and pop. And they also understand that they can't just say aliens exist and let Ellie go back and sit and have evidence. Cause that mm-hmm. would cause imagine worldwide what that would do. It would cause more division. So they understood that they have to plant this nugget into her mind. And she, you know, she's going to spend the rest of her life developing technologies and ways of revealing this information slowly. They understood that they can't just have evidence with her. Uh, otherwise it wouldn't work. So in, fo- in order for it to work, it's small, one step at a time, small steps for humanity to ever gain the ability to even conceive of moving on from this step. Because ultimately the, the best way to unite humanity would to make the, the entire planet realize that they're, to get, they're one force in a, a huge un- universe full of other societies that would unite us. Because instead of us being all divided on planet Earth, we'd be all together on planet Earth in a divided galaxy of people and beings. Um, a question I have is, is there something stated at some point that I missed that they can't just send another person after Ellie? Is it is the machine <laughs> only good for one go? I believe it was just, I, was, I believe I because the, the project was so expensive. Well, and, it's owned and, by the t- the guy, yeah. the tycoon guy. Yeah, and, and it's in Japan. So, I mean, technically, I guess. I still have the stuff. I mean, it's all still there. <laughs> they get yeah, blown up by the one good. But, but they know they know that she experienced it. They just don't yeah. want anyone to know so, yeah. that she. They know that she. So experienced the it. lack of evidence is why they're probably not going to use the machine again because her video, the video feed of her dropping, it never showed anything happening. And then the government agency, the inner people are going to they're going to say they know that it recorded the audio for eighteen hours. So it's going to be like probably kept under wraps. And in the novel, I haven't read the novel, but I did a little research on the novel, and there's actually like a third act where she actually uses um, her experience to develop uh, more information that she learned, uh, especially through pi and other mathematical equations. And she actually proves her case to the world in the novel, but they didn't put that in the, in the film. I think it works better with this ending. Mm-hmm. I think the ending is yeah. great. And I think a lot of people probably, a lot of people probably hate the ending because they don't get like the full clarification that she sure. was right <laughs> in their aliens. But I think that's genius because 
Yeah. We don't know shit about fucking. The movie admits that. We don't know ah! shit about fuck when it comes to aliens. We don't know shit about fuck when it comes to religion okay. and higher powers. So I think that that's why the ending is so great. Is it because it's not lying to us? It's being mm-hmm. real to human beings. Because that's this is what we are. That we're at in our stage. We're we're developed, yeah, but we're still pretty primitive at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of like why ask for an answer in the movie when we don't? We don't know the answer. And yeah, it's refreshing. You know, yeah. I talk so much about movie tropes and all that. So many tropes and it's so lame and it's all been done and it just seems to be getting worse. So it's refreshing to see a, this is a big movie, whether it's a blockbuster or it's not, it's not like a huge spectacle. It is a big budget film with a huge 90 cast. Million, 90 million. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, so, that is, yeah. so, so the fact that, you know, Carl Sagan died during production, so he didn't mm-hmm. get to see the end result, but obviously he, he had uh, Zemeckis's ear and was able to use a large amount of his influence. And for those of you who don't know who Carl Sagan was, he definitely was a very well-respected. He had his own show, you know. Mm-hmm. People knew who he was around the country, so he was able to use that influence. Wow. Just yeah. like uh, what's his face when he's doing the test run when it explodes. He he's putting on a show for the people. Drumlin, <laughs> yeah, Drumlin. Thank you, Tom Scarrett. But I yeah, want to mm-hmm. go back to those are all great points. You guys, this is going great. We're live with Raiders of Lost podcast here on the Cinema Nine podcast. I want to go to the beginning. We talked about the ending, but the beginning, boy, mm. it is slow. It takes its time. I, I was like, wow, oh, this is still going. This is still going. Because I remember Incredible. the intro. Yeah. yeah, when we were kids, remember like, oh, dude, you heard a lag wagon song, which was a punk band. <laughs> in yeah, yeah. Angry Days. That used to be yeah, our big, days. that used to be the big claim to fame when I was younger. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I remember exactly. that. There it is. And then you get all this, all, you get a lot of historical stuff. And But it goes, it's like, I didn't look at the timer, but it was it felt like it was like three minutes. And minutes. Yeah. Out yeah. Eye. Five minutes, isn't it? The opening. Incredible. Yeah. It's, it's from the moment we get to our eye. It makes yeah. you feel so small. So yeah. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. It does mm-hmm. so much. I mean, it does so much, which that brings us, I think, to Robert Zemeckis, which you had said, Anthony, that this is mm-hmm. like, you're, you think it's the best movie that he's done. It's, it's. I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite movie that he's done, but I think it's some of the most impressive direction that he's done. It's because it's not just the, yeah. the not just the medicine cabinet shot. It's like these repeated shots of like, here I'm going to start from like the moon's eye view and just kind of come in mm-hmm. in through the window into all mm-hmm. the way into like the house and like do a close shot and then like pull back out again. There's mm-hmm. just constant like, the, and I hadn't noticed a lot of that stuff before, even though I'd seen this many times. Like I, I like I noticed the medicine the medicine chest shot, of course, but there's a lot of stuff happening. That, even the editing is super smooth. There's so many things which is just like it it kind of disappears if you're not looking for it because it, it the movie the story is first and foremost, which is how it absolutely has to be. I think it takes uh, a really talented actor uh, director to do the kind of amazing shot the shots that he's doing but you don't necessarily notice the first two or three times maybe that you see it because you're caught up in what he wants you to be paying attention to because he's not trying mm-hmm. to show off he's not doing cartwheels and backflips here he's just trying to tell a story and with the most effective way he can and it's really impressive he had complete control of his craft by now and he oh, had yeah. creative freedom on this movie in final cut which is great and that opening sequence it's great because it's getting the audience prepared for what they're about to see. And it puts you in the perspective of how small we are in the universe. And I still think that people don't even understand how big the earth is, let alone how big our solar system is, let alone how big the universe is and how impossibly far distances these are. I mean, the Vega system is 26 light years away and you'd have to travel at light speed for 26 years to get there, which is literally, we'll never be able to do that. But it's, 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 he's trying to put you in the perspective of how impossibly vast the universe is, which I still 
people don't understand that perspective. I think that opening sequence is just really important to for everyone to understand that it took 26 years for that broadcast to get there, then get sent back for just as much a long amount of time to get back to Earth. That It's just in, impossible distances to even think of. And that's yeah. why the opening is so important. And not just that, like it also showcases the fucking incredible sound design that we're going to be treated to. Because uh, the mm-hmm. whole movie, when you think about it, it's most it's it's pretty much about sound or at least senses uh internal senses like even the human heart if you i think be a little cheesy but um um but tactile senses too man like um you get these characters like we we talked about how the opening is a little bit slow like they toss in like like the twister like type fun with like the gang of like wacky guys you got like that fucking bro dude that's like, yeah, like twister, local, yeah. bro. that dude's straight out of twister uh, and, like, <laughs> Bill Fickner is like the classic 90s blind guy who's got to be all jittery mm-hmm. and like vulnerable mm-hmm. but yeah just like uh, sneakers uh-huh. David Strayser and sneakers yep. Yep. Hoffman played oh, yeah. one of those guys in Twister oh yeah. totally yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah there it is did you guys did you guys see in the news and like uh, in June or July they 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 the uh, the astrologers published that they have heard <laughs> this like heartbeat sound coming from space like Wait. exactly what happens in the movie it's like oh, wow. oh, okay that well, just yeah, happened a few weeks ago sound doesn't travel in space right mm-hmm. so is it is mm-hmm. it it's magnetized or, or going to be feeling, a, uh uh what's it called uh a signal right they're, they're using technology to create this of what the space would sound like oh you know what i mean uh, oh well, well let's go back to Zemeckis sure. as the director here too mm-hmm. by the way at one point i want to mention this could be a negative a lot of news clips in this movie tons of news, of news clips, clips. tons of cnn is a sponsor actually yeah and <laughs> if you remember we're uh, old enough to remember this. Uh, it was a big deal because the Bill Clinton speech was taken from a real speech he gave, and this yeah. was a big whoop to do because it was taken out of uh, context to use for the movie. So you get real mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, and you know Zemeckis is coming in his pants because he just did the Forrest Gump stuff where he yeah. put Forrest Gump yeah. in the, all these historical oh, situations. Yeah. So he yeah. loved it. So he's like, "We got to do that again." Yep. So is yeah, that does that bother anybody? Uh, I know it doesn't. I love bad. it. I, just, I, I love it because it adds the reality of uh, making it feel authentic to real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have an actor playing a president, you never really fully believe it. <laughs> yeah, but, get um, Donald Sutherland in yeah. here. Where's Morgan yeah. Freeman? Who, who but cares? If, but if you have Bill Clinton on screen, you're like, oh, this is real. This yeah. is really happening. Plus I think the real I, talk yeah. show host, like Jay yeah. Leno, and doing his bits, his opening bits. Yeah, for me, Miss Universe bit, very funny. Yeah, it works so well. Like in Mission Impossible, Fallout, they did that with the mm-hmm. wolf yeah they had wolf really wolf is yeah like wolf in the opening with, oh, yeah yeah with the guy so i think it's really effective when you do that okay honestly I, some of my favorite stuff is like that for a set like the second act to be your favorite is saying a ton because that's usually the trickiest act it's definitely my fa- i love all of the pageantry of the press and the world coming to learn what's going on and it it really makes me think this is probably what i would be seeing on the news uh in the way they handle it you talk about the editing how to compile all of that stuff together fluidly while still keeping the main characters in perspective all the themes going that's a huge juggle it felt really realistic to what would ha- mm-hmm. actually happen and mm-hmm. i love how we're getting the perspectives of the people who you would be- would assume would be involved in these situations with the mm-hmm. researchers the scientists the government and officials and, and theologians theologians and so i think that it's not like we don't have like a super a hero to save the day or like a <laughs> oh we need an action leading man it's like these feel like these are the people who would be involved in yeah. these situations handling it making the decisions 
And I love how the government is trying to take control. They're shutting down Ellie and her team over and over again. She's bad. She's fighting to be able to even get a chance to be put into the spacecraft. So I think that all of that seems like it's so realistic to what would really happen with these departments. You know, that whole bit where they're like driving down the desert to, to, to the facility and there's all like just madness everywhere. And clearly they got like every extra they could in New Mexico to come out and just be like, go crazy <laughs> about aliens. There's that one woman like listening to like a satellite dish and shit. Um, they're already but, there. <laughs> it's all so funny. But to me, what, what rings most true about this is to is to get back to the religious element is that you have multiple depictions of religion or religious people i should say throughout this movie you have uh palmer joss you have um you have chad or uh, rob lowe's character who's like the christian coalition guy blowing in mm -hmm. and you got jake Busey being like hi i'm an extremist that kills people because i'm completely yeah. out to lunch which all of these people will be just wiggling out of the woodwork if this kind of stuff happened and it, there's so much that I mean, but Sagan and everyone is juggling in, in the telling of this story. And it so easily could have just gone off the rails. Like, this is in so many directions. What is happening? Yeah. But could have been Mars attacks. Right, right. Could have, yeah, it could have just, just completely <laughs> gone all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> but instead, it, it remains tight and focused. They somehow mm -hmm. find a way to just like tell this really huge story with all of this outside peripheral shit. And still keep it all very human. Again, I think I think yeah. to go back to your guys' uh, the Raiders earlier point about uh, <laughs> Jodie Foster, she's the she's like the anchor. Obviously, the the work that she does in this is so believable. Yeah, it's, yeah. it never feels overwhelming. It's objectively yeah. really well researched, especially when it gets political because they get the transmission that they found was in the fifty frames per second footage that every other mm -hmm. frame is a signal, and they find out that it was. The first, it was a speech that Hitler gave at the 1936 Olympics. Oh, which obviously, I feel like if you made this movie today, a lot of people would think that the filmmakers are like glorifying it, but it's objectively what was just sent. what would happen. It was the first yeah. thing that was transmitted into space for a television mm -hmm. signal. So that's the first thing that aliens, if there were aliens out there, they would receive from us. It's not saying like, oh, this is like a hero of the aliens right. or anything like that. It's just objective realistic of what was factual and what would actually probably happen the first thing they would get is that so i think they it's really smart because it's just unbiased film research for the filmmaking and it's authentic and they, got, they got lucky there too because when they bring that scene in I don't think that's, that's also when they bring in like the secretary of defense and like the this is incorrect all, all, by the way this is incorrect sorry uh, yeah contact came out in 19, 1997 yeah it came before 9 11 sorry yeah harsh harsh truth fact check harsh truth <laughs> oh he's right never mind i was wrong i just remember when this movie came out laugh out loud okay <laughs> it's okay sorry, pal man. we all make mistakes we do you gotta talk, you yeah. gotta talk jimmy woods. Truth. yeah oh sorry jimmy woods go ahead jim wood uh, he's ready to come no in and be an asshole in any movie here he is ready to he's come always in ready to be an asshole because that's who he is he's not yeah. acting he's not he acting yeah, yeah. that's just who he is Mind Mind ball. Ball. yeah yeah, so in a way, James Woods plays James Woods better than anybody ever could. I think he's, he's very good. He's a great character in this movie. He really is. Exactly. Oh, he, he's needed. He's needed. The line about windsurfing, windsurfing with, with pops or whatever. So <laughs> with pop. So dismissive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's important to have that. Uh, a couple of things I want to throw out there. See if you guys have any beef with this. Uh, this goes back to the early part. One of you guys from uh, Raiders of the Lost Podcast said this earlier. I can't remember who it was, but one of you guys said how we just don't realize how big this universe and this space is. Oh, yeah. People just don't understand the awesome force, right? So why is finding life 
because the movie starts off with like this huge opening as we discussed and then we go down to Puerto Rico and this constant shitting on SETI S-E-T-I you know this extraterrestrial yeah. search and everyone's shitting on it. it's a dead end like at this point in society that's how Drumlin. it is now Drumlin yeah, Drum- especially Drumlin especially yeah he's hard about Ellie you're wasting your time you're so talented you graduated high school two years early what are you doing why why are you wasting your time with this bullshit is it really that <laughs> absurd to try to find any type did anyone bother anybody? Because I thought it was like a little over the top. Like, wow, we're being a little too intense on like it would be so critical of people trying to find any type of existence signal of extraterrestrial life forms. You mean like critical of why they're even doing it? Yeah, it seems like the movie like went too hard on it. Is my point? Oh, I, I thought it was over the top. I'm not sure. It might be authentic in terms of like budgetary issues with government money, man. Because you yeah, know, every decade they need to save money, and they're probably cutting these programs. Like this is pointless. You're just listening that I get. for nothing. That's You're good. listening at nothing for four years straight. Like where's the we don't, we can't keep wasting money on this. So that's always just the perspective I've had. Of yeah, and, and you need to have. Okay. I mean, the conflict and the antagonist, basically the antagonist force of Ellie. Uh, and so it could be a little too extreme. I'm not sure reality. I do think that there are so many people who would be like, this is such a waste of millions of dollars of government taxpayer money. But um, and they could have maybe <laughs> as if they don't already yeah, waste so yeah. much of it. <laughs> but it could, have been, it, it could have been dialed a little too far just to you need to have conflict for your main character for yeah. their theme and their goal. You need to have an equal op- opposing force to try and stop that. So it just breeds good storytelling. Taking when, clock too. Yeah, taking clock and clock and having an obstacles for your antagonist to overcome and get in their way for them to try and see if they can get through that. So it's a matter of storytelling, having an equal negative force against your positive force. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, what other guys? Uh, S.E. <laughs> Haddon is the MacGuffin. That's right. In this movie. <laughs> Big time. He's the MacGuffin who keeps the movie going. Oh, shit. The main one blew up. That's okay. I built another yeah. one. Oh, don't yeah. worry, Ellie. I'm always here to MacGuffin you to keep you moving forward. I got. I thought the case could at least be made for that. It doesn't really bother me too much, but I did, I did think of it from that perspective that there was a super rich person who actually like wants to give back. Because in a way, it's like giving back, even though he's very selfish about his motives. It just that's, seemed like... That's what I liked yeah. about him. Besides, not just that it was John Hurt's awesome performance because he's yeah. always good but i think he's Maybe. extra good in this but mm-hmm. so much of this movie is like so like you know drumlin is the republican uh Jim, james woods is the democrat because he's you know he's nsa so like there's there's those factions and there's different factions of christianity coming out there's different factions mm-hmm. of 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 scientists coming out there's like there's just all these different factions throughout the whole movie and they're all just kind of competing and jostling one against the other which to get back to your point from earlier anthony that, that really people just need to like come together and elevate to the next level but mm-hmm. uh some people are ready for that and some people aren't so it's just i think that it just kind of represents that 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 group that that tribe mentality that, that drags us all down yeah, I feel like he he, under, he understands that humanity is not ready, so that's why he made his own backup plan. And I think it's important to have the terrorist attack on the original site because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's proof that we aren't ready. And yeah. the only way for us to actually – I mean, you need to have the, the John Hurt character to make the backup plan for to even go. So I think, but it was, I think it was important for the story to have the, the first one be destroyed by humanity proving once again that we're not ready to make the next step 
And if this happened in real life, you know that that fucking someone would try. Elon Musk would be nosing his way into this shit. Yeah. Or <laughs> somebody would be like, you know, either behind the scenes or in front of the cameras. You know that the, the it, yeah, there would be a rivalry. Be, there would like be multiple race. companies. There would be a space race. Space of race sorts. from the Cold War, yeah. and also the space race that's going on right now. Like all yeah. these companies yeah. have different interests and they're trying to do it first, whereas working together and putting their interests all together. So that's why we beat Russia to the moon because they couldn't formulate one plan they had too many dividing heads so like i think that's a great point that you brought up that it just shows that humans weren't ready yeah thanks man okay oh maybe they were because they figured out (laughs) and also (laughs) that's true larry king's in this movie part of the whole news coalition of this film (laughs) and there's a point there right before we get the contact the initial contact which great if we're going to give credit to the direction and all that, that's a great uncut scene of Ellie hauling ass from the moment she hears it out in the field, drives all the way back. And of course, she has to drive it. Why is it in movies you always have to like drive a classic car? Like, why? It's cool, it's man. Good, it's cool, man. There's modern convertibles cool. that are really cool at the time. You could have been driving like a brand new, I don't know, Sebring. There was I get a Sebring the feeling with her dad somehow. I feel like it's, an, you know? it's something to do with her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, you guys are... You guys are amazing at this. All right, but that's a great <laughs> shot when she's she's all the way running up the stairs into the control room. That's very cool. But there's a point right before that happens where they're watching Palmer Joss on Larry King, and he makes this point about how cut off humans are for, yeah. and more than ever before. And this movie was made in 1997. This is 25 years ago. Palmer ain't I just that, that like blew my mind, like because where we are mm-hmm. now. Yeah, he, his head would have. He's he's rolling in his grave. That character, <laughs> dead of old age. The fictional character. He died. I I think. Palmer Joss, rest in power. In my head cannon just died of a car accident like ten years later. I don't know why. <laughs> no shit happens. But that that struck me hard. Like, oh wow, God. So twenty five years ago, this was already a thought, and now it's that much worse. It's uh, it was just something oh, shit, that was man. very Look- powerful. Well, the television history, look at Luddites, right? I mean, there's always been people that have been uh, angry and terrified of technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, But television was a big thing back then. Like, everyone was watching a lot of TV back then. But now, obviously, technology's evolved into a way, into places we never, ever could have predicted. Well, it's integrated with human nature. Yeah, the integration into human life. life. So it's so much so different and unique now. Right, but he says synthesized culture, a synthesized society. So so it's that much more synthesized now. It's very relevant. It's unbelievable how how relevant that still is. We're cyborgs. We're walking around cyborgs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's fascinating to go back to that era and like read people's critiques of television and like monoculture and stuff. You're like, oh boy, you guys, <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't type loud enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, gotta, uh, I, wow. I did laugh when the facts came in. It was like, oh wow, facts. <laughs> like well, the emails, like emails, don't work that way. She's like emailing uh, John Hurt's yeah, character. Yeah, right yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's not how that Movie works. email. It's always like that. It's got to be like all fancy with a graphic that doesn't exist mm-hmm. in society. <laughs> but it does it is exp- i kept thinking a lot about and this is just such a minor detail but i kept thinking about the video online in the movie because it was so non-existent in 1997 like it was hor- there was no streaming of like you could you could barely do a webcam at all back then so i just thought it was funny that there was like hey we're talking together someone's in australia and we're doing a video conference in 1997 <laughs> 
Huge load of shit. It's a minor <laughs> detail, but it's just so absurd. It's He's really on the space station. I'm not actually it. sure, but I think maybe. I mean, the government <laughs> government agencies might have had access to things like that before the public did. Is, is that's the only idea. way it flies, though? That's yeah. the only because, way it flies because I mean, oh, government, the government's yeah. got something we don't know about. They had email before anyone else. They were using email. They for had decades. drones early too, man. Yeah, I feel like half UFO sightings in the 1990s and 2000s. For me, I never, I never even thought to question that because I've always assumed government officials and government agencies have more advanced technology in use than the public does at the time. That's my guess. Maybe they relied on that. Maybe that's a universal thought. My bad. Dude, Al Gore invented that in Vietnam. Did you hear about that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're getting close to the end here, guys. We want to hit any final thoughts before we make our... uh, We already know how you guys felt. You already tipped your hand really early, but uh, any other points, any other notes anybody wrote down they want to mention? Something that Eric brought up was briefly the sound design. I think it's so important Mm. in this movie because, like you said, it starts off really slow. You're waiting Mm. for something to happen, and when we finally hear Ellie listening to the the sound of the broadcast that she's signaled... Incredible sound effects, oh, and it reminds you of good, movies like yeah, that's a good impression yeah. of movies like Arrival, the great sound mm-hmm. effects and sound design of that, but also War of the Worlds, Spielberg's mm-hmm. the sound design Tripods. of the aliens in there, incredible. So, like, it's just a slow movie getting going with this film, but then when you hear the sound, it's just like you can't breathe, you're like, holy crap, mm-hmm. this is like really happening. You feel like you're Ellie, like, oh my god, I'm re- am I really hearing this? And it's mm-hmm. so unique, yeah. you never hear anything like it before. For me, uh, something we haven't talked about is I, I find this film extremely emotional and I connect to it in such a human way and personal way. It does a wonderful job of balancing such a large scale, huge themes, huge ideas, gigantic exploratory space and so many characters and things going on. But it's still so deeply humanistic and mm-hmm. I cry like a baby every time. And it's Ellie's connection to her father. Everyone can relate to that no matter what you believe in, no matter who you hate or who you love like that is like ultimately the the biggest theme of the film is connection to other human beings and it gets me every time yeah uh seeking is pretty much the theme of the movie uh she's seeking the love of her father she's seeking alien life form probably even more one more than the other but like um yeah one of the things i love about this movie and i've talked about a little bit before is you really turn it off and you cannot just you know put seinfeld on and go to bed i sat there for (laughs) you know 10 15 minutes just kind of pondering mostly the many conversations i've had with friends about lofty subjects like religion but i remember those very respectful conversations not the arguments but the type where two adults could just talk respectfully about beliefs uh, and you rarely see that in a movie nowadays without it just dripping with cynicism. So that was refreshing for me. Yeah, you, you, you referencing like the the balcony scene when they're in DC yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. that is just not a scene you're going to get in movies very mm-hmm. much anymore. Mm-hmm. Where you have a, like a sympathetic religious character mm-hmm. and a sympathetic agnostic character just talking about the existence of God. Like, right? They don't they don't, they don't do that 100%. really anymore. The movie will have an angle for the entire film nowadays. Right. Yeah, one right. Oh, yeah. One or the other. Yeah, that it really is it's become that way a bit. And that's that really is a tribute to contact. I will absolutely agree with that. It's I watched it right before we went on the air. So I I was like so excited to watch. I watched really? the whole thing. But I was so I gotta agree with what you said. I was I was like in tears upstairs in the kitchen right before we're going on the air. Like when, when we when we had our when we had our run in at six fifteen, I, I they were they were miss uh there was a mistake that happened. So we uh, met up before the show about an sure. hour prior and I had to finish the movie and they're like, okay, oh, finish the movie. So yeah, I basically came out of the show before we went live 
where Ellie and her dad, not the real dad, even though she knows it's not real, and I knew it was not real, and I remembered that because I'd seen the movie before. I was like, wait, oh, she remembers this isn't real, right? And she doesn't when she's on the beach in that pretend world of Pensacola that doesn't exist mm-hmm. on Vega. And, boy, it just really was impactful. It wasn't even because of their connection necessarily as, like, a father-daughter. It was just, like, the whole movie and the grand scale of the epicness of life. When we All the bullshit we like to get into. We all do these shows, and we have these discussions about tiny little minutiae of, hey, which Batman was better, Bale or Affleck? You know, there's, you know we do all that, and that's fun. And it's fun to do that mm-hmm. stuff. You definitely need to have some fun there. But, you know, I just love... Movies like this where you can really dive into the the real meat of what existence is about and whether it's right or wrong or who's right or who's got the right idea. I I think I completely agree with that, and it's a very powerful film. It is. I, I love the existential nature of it, but I, I, I do have to come in with a hot take. Here we um, go. Bring it. So, so the meeting of Ellie with her father at the end of the movie has honestly never sat right with me. Um, never since I was a kid. I'm like, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, why is he telling her? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was gone. I missed you. Like, so like, he's going to be like truthful with her, but also like try and deceive her, even though he's also going to tell her the truth. And also like from, from her perspective, like I would be terrified um, my father is walking up to me, like who's been dead since I was a little. I mean, it would just and be like, "How dare you like repurpose my father's like image for your message?" I don't know. It, it seems in, invasive to me. It's always they wouldn't that, do it for you though. Well, well the thing well, is, I, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't get to go. So the okay, alien, in a way, in a way, the alien is telling her what she needs to hear from her father, what she never heard from her father because yeah, he passed no, away. So the alien yeah. understood that. It looked into her memories in a split second, got everything. Exactly. And so, so if Travis it, went, it, it would be whatever yeah. Travis wanted to hear. Yeah. It, would, so it, it would be yeah, something it, completely it different. Told her, it told her I what she needed to hear in order to be able to move on from her father's death. Yeah, I, that's that's the problem. I <laughs> I'm like, this is none of your fucking business, Mr. Alien. Get out of my head. Uh, I'm going to grieve in my own way. (laughs) Fuck off with this shit. Just tell me how the subway works. Um, That's just my (laughs) my two cents. It's about emotion, man. I've never said that. It seems invasive. Okay. Uh, By the way, coming the summer said, hey, guys, this movie's trailer sold as something completely different than what it was. I don't remember I'm glad, it. He, I'm glad he remembers, because I was wondering that. Do, do you guys? I remember the trailer, but I mean, the trailer. studio's trying to make money, yeah. first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, get, I'm they, sure they showed the, the explosion. They must have showed the explosion <laughs> yeah. in the, uh, maybe the yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the drop yeah. of the of the ball. I mean, yeah. it's been all third action. Yeah. Yeah. Movies are businesses. <laughs> They're not doing it to make cool movies. They're they can't show a two-minute of Jodie Foster around satellite dishes. Profits number one. 90 million dollars. They got to make some of that back. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they invest yeah. in it. They're allowed to make a trailer however they want. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I understand the harsh truth saying in the dialogue of that scene, her father says that they chose that for him to make it easy on her. Again, I understand that. I understand the 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 intention behind it. I just, I, I just, I don't think it's. Uh, you don't, I, I don't want them messing ethical. in your head. Is what it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that shit. But uh, it's very clear you don't like it, and that's, that's fine. Why, and yeah, I don't feel, I don't I feel like it. that's not going to happen to you. I'm just get. I'm just. Yeah, I don't think I need to worry about it happening to me, but uh, if it does, I'm you guys will be the first ones I let know. Oh, got a whole sweet. second life brewing, dude. You got a whole second life brewing. You don't even know what it is yet. Uh, okay, wow. Uh, so we're about that time here. We make our final ruling. Uh, should we start with the guys who already kind of revealed their hand, or should we? Uh... Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a 10 out of 10 on this movie. I think it's perfect, and wow. I think it's been extremely in, in inspirational for a lot of the modern great sci-fi directors of the last 20 25 years i'm going eight out of ten 
I think it's a very solid sci-fi film, very underrated. But but there's two points off. I, what is but it? I think sometimes it can get a little slow the pacing, mm-hmm. but I do like patient films. But you know, mm-hmm. I think maybe not everyone loves saving all the big suspenseful stuff for the third act. But just I think a little slow at times. Um, aside from that, it's just really well executed though overall. But eight out of ten, yeah. People like you. Awesome cast. Have these guys on again. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Matt. Matt. Thank you, Matt. That's, that's high praise. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'll go. Uh, it's been a hell of a long time, and I've seen so many science fiction and moreover science fantasy movies in these intervening 20 years. So I forgot what just really good actual science fiction uh, can be. Uh, and this is it, dude. To be able to blend science, politics, religion, uh so well it's just masterful that's kind of why i miss bob zemeckis I, I, I he's been making some clunkers lately but uh he was such a technical master back in the day his first act setups were always so fucking immaculate and he gives us so much uh whoever adapted this screenplay i think it was jim hart that did hook and bram stoker's dracula kudos man because you told the story in good two and a half hours that i could have easily sat for another hour uh carl sagan once said that science is not only compatible with spirituality it's a profound source of spirituality and i love that quote because um science is so many things to so many people and so is spirituality they are one it's 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 whatever enlightens you and makes magellan get on his boat and go out to sea it's it's perseverance it's discovery uh, it's it, it this movie reminds me of all those things. It's just awe inspiring. Loved it, holds up completely. Wow, very, very lovely, Eric. Very nice. Uh, Travis, you want me to go? You want to sure. go? I don't care. I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, I think you make some, some great points there, Eric. I mean, I think people forget that people like you know, Francis Bacon and Sir Isaac Newton, they were like trying to investigate how. God works, you know, that, that there was a, it was a spiritual endeavor when science was developed. Oh, so recently in our human history. <laughs> um, so I, and I, I really, really dig the existential nature of this film. I like that it, it asks, it asks questions. It doesn't pretend to have answers. It is incredibly diverse in its attempts to demonstrate a realistic approach, a believable approach uh, that, that society there it is, would have um, when if, the, if contact actually was made. I think mm-hmm. it's an incredibly bold fit picture that I don't know that, I mean, I don't think, if, I think it took Carl Sagan to get this one made. I don't know that if anyone else's name was attached to it that this would have gotten off the ground. It certainly wouldn't have gotten $90 million in funding. Um, again, I w- I'd like to give praise to Jodie Foster. I think that she is really just, um, there's that, that monologue that she gives when she's like, uh, once again turned down and she's being recorded by uh, mm-hmm. by Haddon and mm-hmm. I love that monologue she's so impassioned and pissed and, and sad and angry like she's just she's just a, a, an underappreciated actor I think this is an underappreciated movie I do still feel like the shoehorn romantic bit just do- doesn't work for me I feel like that's studio interference we gotta make them fall in love they can't just be friends you know i'm like oh fine mm-hmm. um but you know <laughs> I, I can find flaw in anything if i look hard enough this movie absolutely holds up and it was a real treat to revisit it again i'm really glad you guys picked it cool yeah I, when you guys picked it last week i was like oh, okay all right well <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, I just hadn't really dove into this movie in a long time. I'm turns out I'm a completely different person than I was 20 or so years ago. Who would have thought? And I know, right? It's just mind blowing. And good, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said some things that were very harsh and true. Uh, but hey, it was you know, not in the end, yeah, harsh truth. It, <laughs> truth. Yeah, where's harsh truth at? Everybody. Look, it's just wonderful. It's just such a treat. And even though it is a lot of like procedural business, government, political, bureaucratic crapola. A lot of red tape in this movie. Tons mm -hmm. of red tape in this film, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I'm just like riveted. I'm just die. I'm locked in and I want to know more and I want to talk about this. And Eric, I had the same response as you when the movie was over. I was thinking, because me and my girlfriend, Leanne, like she's very much a Christian. Like she's a Catholic. She loves Christ and like, you give a fuck about Christ, you know? you know? That's my opinion, you know? That's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's right. Lightning I just, bolt. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> How did the lightning bolt get to the basement, too? That's amazing. But Christ, I bro. Will... <laughs> yeah, Christ, comes, bro. Yeah, Christ want... bolt comes in sideways through the window. Works I want a t-shirt that says Christ, bro, right now. That is a great... Is that t-shirt exists? It probably does. Anyways, <laughs> we often... I talk a lot... Of, I joke about death and stuff a lot. Like, oh, one day we're all going to die. It's true. And I very much, we just did a, you know, a Patreon we have. This is not a pub. This is not a pushing it. It's just a reminder. We talked about religion. We talked about things we're afraid of. And I always talk about how, yeah, death is fear. It's very strong for me. It scares the shit out of me because it's so unknown. And, and I just don't buy the religious creation, that man-made thing at all. So to me, it seems like a dark, empty spot of hopelessness but at the same time travis's words struck with me recently when he said you don't know so the people who are religious they don't know and you don't know any more than they do which i agree with and it actually helped me out recently so this movie really hit me in that spot thinking about you know being here all by yourself the waste of space thing it's a it mm -hmm. seems like a cheesy line but it's very true at the very least it inspires like curiosity and thought so mm -hmm. this movie's outstanding it's so good and I'm so grateful that I love it so much now at this age. I don't know if it's the age or just like the person it's I am now. But when I, you mature, you understand mm -hmm. a movie like this. Mm -hmm. I think it's a sure. big deal. I do think that matters. I, I do. And yeah. uh, so much more appreciation now. Yeah. So great call, guys. I'm there so glad that we were Rock able to do this. Like Raiders it. of the Lost podcast dudes, James and Anthony. These guys are awesome. And, mm -hmm. you know, you guys do two episodes a week, right? Uh, four or yeah. five yeah and then we have yeah. like movie it news will, every yeah. sunday and then we do like oh stuff. yeah, yeah we so, do, so we do main episodes on monday and thursday those are like hour 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 to an hour, two hours long and then we do like we're doing like mini reviews of house of the dragon then um rings of power rings of power we'll so those weekly. come out on tuesday on tuesdays and fridays those will come out so we try to get at least three it's like four to five four to five a week usually yeah. I'm still Thank scoring man. So much, man i'm still scoring on the the game of thrones ending it's it's just so hard for me still <laughs> hey man don't worry, it's man. This okay. is a completely different thing. So I, I think you'll like it. If you like this it's cool. show, you'll it's like cool. this. They did, they're doing a good job. Oh, okay. Good things. Very good job. That's, and George right, like, R. Martin has a lot of involvement in it's it. Just TV. It's just TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's just TV. It's the golden age, bro. That's what I heard. It's just, it's usurp movies. Movies are toast. It's TV now. But okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll look into that as well. And also, you guys are on TikTok, and the TikTok presence everywhere. is strong. So make sure yeah. you guys, if you're on there, they're, they're everywhere. You, everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere you can search for us. Right there. Of the Lost Podcast. Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Anthony and James, this has been fun. Uh, whose turn is it next week? Yours. I think it's yours because we skipped Oh, it. shit. Okay. Well, every week, guys, we choose a movie, right? So let me go to the list here. Oh, the, uh, here's where he vamps for a minute and talks out loud yeah. when no, he looks through uh, his list. 
I, uh, 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 society. Uh, yeah, so oh. is, society, man. Yeah. Corporations, I, man. I got, I got so many lists of movies that I are getting confused now, like favorite movies, ideas, uh, movies I need to see, and they're all kind of melding together. That's not good. So let's, uh, I've been wanting to do this movie. I know exactly what I want to do. I've been wanting to do it. But Eric wasn't here one time when I really wanted to do it, so I kind of forgot about it for a minute. But now that we're back to it, I, I think it's uh, I think it's worth looking at because I don't think it's clear cut. But we'll find out officially. I want to go back to 2014, a little bit more recent, not as far back. I want to do Whiplash. I want to oh, do Whiplash. Great movie. Which yeah, I don't know if it no is. question about I, it. Masterpiece, 10 out of 10. I'm not so – okay, well <laughs> – that's one opinion. <laughs> I feel strongly about how I feel about this movie going in. We'll see if it changes on this viewing. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I think there's at least some stuff to mine here. I don't think it's as clear oh, cut, sure. but we'll find out. That's why we do the show. So, yeah, yeah let's do Whiplash. Awesome. Exciting. Great pick. Great choice. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, hey, great gift, Dad. <laughs> I'm Jose Conseco. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Raiders. You guys were... Yeah, it's like uh, your old friends now. We really uh, thanks for having us, guys. I appreciate it. That was a good was a lot time. Of fun. Yeah, this cool. was great. So, thanks so much, everyone. Make sure you follow up on all the standard possible situations where you follow people and connect with them. For Travis, Michael, Eric. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.